When it comes to Podmeets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to 303-mile range, available two-way charging, and other category-defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 is one of the most teched-out electric vehicles ever. And as you know, we are tech heads. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. And with the available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car, backyard or side yard. Hyundai, it's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Listen, Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their tushies. Especially when they start really moving. With Huggies Little Movers, you get their best-fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit. That's right. So no matter what kind of mover you've got, they'll feel protected and comfy while their little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers has curves designed to fit all baby curves and helps provide up to 12-hour protection against leaks. So make the switch to Huggies Little Movers today. We got you, baby. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. So we've alluded to this like once or twice, but I just wanted to get this story out there, if if you're willing to talk about it, uh, Will, because this is your story. Oh, oh gosh, Will's already nervous. Well, no, this is I. You for you sold a script to Disney while we were on Boy Meets World. You yeah. sold a pitch, and you were like at the time like the youngest screenwriter to have sold a studio. And like, what is that story? It's just I just want to talk about this because this is what you were doing in Amsterdam. It was yeah, yeah. for no, part of the I time was, was that you were writing the screenplay. It was a Winnie the Pooh script. Yeah, but you had this idea and you sold it. Yeah, to, I tell did. I had an idea for for a, 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 a live action animation Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. and so this was 1998, 1997. So I had my agent call Disney and I set up a pitch and I went in and I pitched, which I still think was, is an amazing idea. It was Christopher Robin is now 18. His parents put him in therapy because he was talking to imaginary, you know, animals. They moved him away from the hundred acre wood. He now is growing up in America. Uh, meanwhile, the hundred acre wood is bought by a corporation and is going to be destroyed and animated yeah, Winnie and had Tigger. Like an environmentalist yeah. like underpinning. Yeah. Really and then cool. animated Winnie and Tigger show up at the foot of Christopher Robin's bed one morning as he's pledging a fraternity. And so he, you know, he's at college and now these characters are back into his life. And he essentially, so they, and they need his help to save they dragoon Acre him wood. into going back to saving the hundred acre wood. So great. And, and I, he's trying to refuse that they exist because right. and so he's they, like, these were the hallucinations from his childhood. So exactly. Good, so and good. so I, I went to Amsterdam to write it and then they really liked the script and they had me, they hired me to rewrite it. 
Um, and I did that. And then they sat it on a shelf and they said, and you oh, you 19, know. yeah, 20 years old, That's 19. Amazing, dude. And they, um, and they said, no, we're in this, this fight with AA Milne's company right now who created Winnie the Pooh. So we can't, you know, we can't really do anything. And then, uh, I found out years later, they did it with, with you know, they, they changed it Ewan around. McGregor. They gave it to a whole bunch of different writers and then they threw Ewan McGregor in it. And the writer's guild essentially said to me when I said, look, I've got, I mean, the contract literally says 1997 live action animation Christopher Robin movie. Right. Um, and the WGA was like, look, we know your Genesis. We can tell your Genesis, but it's gone through so many hands now that there's really nothing we can do about it. So, right, right. Which is what happens with studio films. They yep. Get yeah. I got and no credit. There's probably no, been like yeah. 20 writing teams yep. on different Winnie yep. the Pooh movies. So what ended yep. up in the Christopher? Did you see the finished film? The no, Christopher Robin? no, I refuse. No, I refuse. Absolutely. Yeah. Refused. Oh. I absolutely refuse. Because that was, it was a, like, a, that was my first screenplay. That was the first thing that I'd written and sold. So yeah. that was, uh, that was an important one to me. And to just be like, yeah, hey, thanks, kid. I mean, to the point where apparently the WGA representative called Disney and said, hey, I'm calling on behalf of Will Friedle. And before she finished my name, the woman said, oh, no, his project was totally different. Oh and gosh. they went, okay. okay, so it was, you know, yeah. they did their due diligence and there was a big lawsuit around the thing where there was a bunch of writing teams that said that they had done it. But I, I defy somebody to come up with a contract that would predated 1997. Now you said that you called your agent, but I remember Jeff McCracken figured prominently in helping you set up the pitch. Did he? I, he may yes, have. He absolutely I feel may like have. you mentioned it while we were on set. You, cause for people who don't know, Will Friedle is the king of genius movie ideas. Like five times a day, he just will be like, yeah. you know what we need? And he'll say a movie and you're like, well, that needs to be made. Like, you should be running the studio. And so you had that moment with this Winnie the Pooh pitch. And I think it was Jeff McCracken that was like, we need to get someone on the phone. And you got on the phone. He he did a speaker call during lunch at Boy Meets World. This is what I remember. And got somebody higher up at Disney and said, just I just want you to hear you hear what Will has to say, and you gave like a two sentence pitch, and the person paused and was like, "Yeah, we got to hear that full pitch." And then you went in and had your full pitch, but it was because McCracken just heard you talking. Possible, and, okay. and wow. McCracken was so supportive, supportive of, like of yeah. anything artistic that we wanted anything. in anything in our lives, but super artistic. I mean. Yeah. Jeff McCracken at one, and I was going to tell this story when he got on the podcast, but it, hopefully he'll come on. But mm -hmm. at one point, the network insisted that I cut my hair. I was growing really long hair and it really upset me. And I went and they cut my hair off. And the next day he had long hair. The next day he came in with short hair that was all raggled. He cut his own hair that night yeah. in his house to support me having to cut my hair. That's the kind of man this guy is. So Jeff I do not doubt at all wow. that Jeff McCracken did something no. like that. Don't doubt that at all. Yeah. No, he's, he's that still, guy. He still reaches out to help me in my career and in my personal yeah. life. He's, he's a just, beautiful man. He's, he's just true, one of really those is. giving, yes, yep. incredible. Well, yep. you guys will be pleased to know we have him booked. He will, be coming. he will be coming on the wait. pod. It's going to be us gushing for two hours. I yes. know. It's literally <laughs> going to be the longest episode we've ever done. It'll be Ugh. season three when he comes in. because you know he, so much. Uh, yep. And then yep. we are just going to need a full hour of us just telling him how much we love him. Yep. <laughs> um, so welcome to Pod Meets World. I'm Danielle Fischel. I'm Ryder Strong. And I'm Will Friedle. 
Guys, this is a this is a Q&A episode. It's going to be really fun. You guys send us so many amazing emails. We get thousands of questions from listeners. We appreciate every single one. Um, and we have pulled some for another special Q&A episode. And only I have seen them in advance. So Will and Ryder are going in blind. And uh, But something totally unrelated that I have been forgetting to say in every single episode is that my hair care company, Be Free by Daniel Fischel, I have created a coupon code for you guys just for you. Pod Meets World Ooh, listeners, nice. you can use code PMW for Pod Meets World, PMW, and get 15% off anything on the site. So I'm just gonna, I'm throwing that in. I I made it for you a long time ago and then just never told anyone. So there That's you go. That's important. It's an important part of the sales team is to yeah. have people know that Why has stuff nobody for sale. used this coupon? Yes, no, it's, I'm a really good businesswoman. Yeah. I um, uh, create coupons and then nice. don't give them to anybody. So by no, the way, I'm, I need, uh, I need more conditioner. Okay, I will. I ooh, don't I give can't. it to him for free. Make him pay for I it. Will. I'll, now that I have the nope. QR code, I was waiting for yeah. a sale. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll send you all the conditioner you want. Okay. Good. Um, also, we wanted to let you guys know we are going to be in Chicago March 31st through April 2nd at C2E2. I'm really looking forward to it. We're going to be joined by Trina McGee and Mr. Bill Daniels and Ms. Bonnie Bartlett. Yay. So. That'll oh, be I almost fun. just let a Feeny call escape. I know. Oh, you felt it, right? I did. I was going to do it for you. I totally you felt it. It almost passed my lips. I was like, Whoa. I choked that wow. one right back. <laughs> yeah. Maybe just if you come to C2E2. Maybe if you come just to C2E2. Do it. Do it. Wow. Amazing. So that'll be really fun. If you guys don't have your tickets yet, please get them. Join us. It's actually going to be a little family trip for us. Ryder, your family's going? Yeah. yeah. Will, Indian. Sue is going? Sue's going as well. And, and? hopefully we are going... To add to Bevix while we're there. Oh, we are definitely yes. doing right? that. Like that's the 100%. plan, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so excited about C2E2, but I, I want to go to Ed I know. I'm mostly excited about Ed Bevix. We have not reached <laughs> out to them about planning that. So we should, we should actually we should do that. Maybe get on that. We need to reserve a table. Yes. Okay. I'll reach out to them. Um, producer Jensen Karp, husband of this podcast, is also coming with me. So we are going to have a little family trip and I can't wait. And we're going to see Tony Quinn while we're there as well. Yes, we are. Maybe it's he'll meet us at Ed Bevix. Oh. Yeah, That'd be great. great. All right, great. When it comes to Pod Meets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. If we could, we would take Hyundai to prom. Technically, Hyundai is more visible on this show than Topanga. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to a 303-mile range, available two-way charging, and other category-defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 is one of the most teched-out electric vehicles ever. Say teched-out again. Nope, that was a one-time show. Snooze you lose. Well, either way, the Hyundai Ionic 5 is a tech-forward electric SUV. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. So that means your car won't die out like the Matthews family vehicle on New Year's Eve, forcing you to miss out on kissing supermodel Rebecca Alexa in front of all of Philadelphia. And with available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car. Backyard or side yard? Hyundai. It's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only.
You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by the experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Listen, Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their tushies. Especially when they start really moving. With Huggies Little Movers, you get their best-fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit. That's right. So no matter what kind of mover you've got, they'll feel protected and comfy while their little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers has curves designed to fit all baby curves and helps provide up to 12-hour protection against leaks. So make the switch to Huggies Little Movers today. We got you, baby. Okay, so our first question. I thought this was very fun. Did you guys get paid for Teen Beat type magazine shoots? And then related to that, how many shoots did you do and were they fun? Writer, go for it. No, we never got paid. Nope. It was kind of a racket. And it wasn't until I was older that I realized how much free content we provided for these magazines yeah they would typically what would happen is you would you would get a call or somebody would get a call i guess my manager would get a call being like some magazine wants to do a photo shoot with Ryder, and what that usually meant is that you would get some free clothing um or like I, there was a sense that like it, or it was just free publicity it was like right. you know so for a couple years there for at least like one year the first first year of the show i would just show up because somebody would tell me to and they would get, they would do an entire day of photo shoots mm-hmm. with, you know, different outfits, different backgrounds. And then it wasn't until I was like 15 or 16, I think, that somebody realized like, Ryder, you sh- maybe just don't do this. Right. <laughs> like, if you, because right. I didn't, you know, I just showed up wherever and did them. And then it was like, oh, I'm getting like sort of pigeonholed as this like teen idol hunk thing that doesn't have anything to do with my acting career. In fact, kind of hurts my acting career. Um, and so then it was like, uh, you know, I stopped doing them right around when I was like 15 or 16. Uh, but yeah, it's weird. We would get free stuff. Yeah. We free would stuff often get would like, oh, you it. get to keep your clothes that you try on that day because clothing companies would want us to be wearing them. So they would provide for the magazine. So the magazines would pay for the photographer and they would get free clothing and free talent for the day. Right. And then and sell then a bunch of magazines. we would do, like you said, there'd be a whole day and there would be a bunch of like, we they'd have a snowboard there and they would drop snow or do something yep. snow related. And then they, you would use those pictures in November. And then right. there'd be like some sort of Christmas thing and they'd use the, right. you'd hold a cupcake for a round your birthday um and so in that one day you'd go through like the season of photos and then they they would use them 
and then sometimes the they would do events. Like remember, we would, yeah. went, we would they would do like a snowboarding day at yeah. Yeah. Big Bear, or and so they would right or paintballing, and oh, so they yeah. would invite us to do it, and we would want to do it because it'd be fun, cool kid things to do. Yeah. And then they would get a bunch of photographs out of it, and so everybody would sort of win, I guess. Um, you know? I got paid. <laughs> no, I got paid, not. and I got paid well. Oh <laughs> my gosh! Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say they were fun. Some people had more fun than others. Like I never, I always enjoyed photo shoots. I thought they were kind of fun. Um, but I think Ryder probably thought it was a true nightmare. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. wasn't. A I big, mean, eventually. I, at first, I remember out. being very stoked to be interviewed and like. Yeah. I just thought like, oh, it's cool. This is what being an actor means. People wanted, you know. And then when it started to feel like I was being used it started to feel like i was i don't know it just it just made me uncomfortable like once i started to feel like oh i i don't i don't want posters of me on the wall like i li- i'd like to talk about acting or i don't know it was just always it made it me was also the social media of our day that's what you yeah. had you you that's yeah. how you got the word out and you know it, hey this is the new hot guy and it was whether it was jonathan taylor thomas or jonathan brandis or there was yeah and then it was you i mean there was always like yeah a bunch of people that they were the it thing for a little while. And then right. it was like, now here's the new it thing. And it felt very distinct from like other types of fame. though. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. In a way, it felt very niche. Yeah. Like it didn't it, it didn't translate to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. it wasn't like because I was in these teen magazines, if anything, I feel like it made it harder to get movie jobs. You know, right. already being on television made it almost impossible to get movie jobs. But certainly uh, doing being a teen magazine person, like it didn't translate to to work, yeah. it, you know. Because I mean, you look at somebody like, I mean, Jonathan Taylor Thomas was was working constantly because he was on Home Improvement. But like somebody like Jonathan Brandis was the king of those teen magazines, but yeah. did not work. No. Right? Like could not get work. No. Like was no. a struggling actor throughout his entire teens. And there was always this weird sense of like this does not equal the same thing. You know, like. Yeah. Right. Andrew Keegan was all in these teen magazines, but actually wasn't on consistently on a show those yeah. into all those years. It's interesting. Yeah. It was just a weird dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Our next question is, how much did guest cast members usually get paid? Was it per episode, per line? How about the background actors? So I'll go ahead and answer this one that guest guest actors negotiated their own salaries. They sometimes I'm sure there was just whatever scale was. Can we talk about That's all scale? we got was I think everybody only got scale on those kinds of shows. You don't negotiate. I mean, unless you you're a big like guest Phyllis star. You think like Phyllis Diller was Phyllis getting Diller scale? Got That's a, what I'm yeah. saying. So, you but know. your average guest star just gets paid. Maybe even Daniel scale. Harris got more than just scale. Yeah, that's possible too. Oh, maybe. That's true. So, Maybe she was a big enough So name. there's right. a thing called right. scale, which is like what the unions determine is the base pay rate that you're allowed to make to do a union project. And, and so usually what offers are scale plus 10. Scale plus 10%. And that 10% is to cover the cost of your agent, your agent. fee so that yep. you you're, you get scale, which is the full dollar amount. Um, I don't remember what scale was back in the day. I don't I have either. no memory. And there's um, a difference between one day guest star and three day guest star. Three day guest star, right. How many lines you have. There's also that. There's like the under five rule. I think you can have up to five lines. So if you're curious, you can go to SAG's website and yep. probably find these contracts. Yeah, exactly. There are it's the contracts standard. on the SAG websites that you can figure it out. I don't remember what they were back in the day. And it, it's not usually like paid per line. But like Will said, there are different um, yeah. scale rates based on whether you're working one, three, or five days. Um, but yeah, so you could put anybody. Whether you're a co star all... versus a guest star, like, you know, there's a. It's right. Weird. Yeah. And the background actors, if I'm not mistaken, it was like a hundred a day. 
That sounds about right, or maybe 150. Sure. Yeah, yeah, somewhere between but 100 just and 100. Just a day rate. Just you just a day rate. Get that's that it. Money. Yeah. And you were there for as many hours as they kept you around. If that yeah. was 14, fine. Yeah. It was a. And that as, was as, a flat as you rate. heard when we talked to some of our background actors, they'd be on four or five shows. So hopefully they'd yep. be, you know, because they'd only be on boy two days, right? For blocking and tape days. So you're hoping that the the other days they're on other shows doing the same thing. So hopefully they're working five six days a week at 100 dollars a right. day. But it's still yeah. Minimal. But the main point of being a background extra is to get. SAG membership, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. uh, hopefully, and, you know, which wasn't true necessarily for the first couple seasons of, of Boy because there was two unions back then. There was a Screen Extras Guild and the Screen Actors Guild. They merged right near the end of Boy Meets World. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, but you would just still getting into a guild was really helpful, and then just exposure, right? Like to just yeah. being on set and seeing yeah. how things worked and understanding, yep. you know, that was just an opportunity. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Adam Scott was an extra. There's a lot of lot mm-hmm. of people that were background actors that have mm-hmm. made the transition, so it's it can be a great gig. Another question we got is, what other podcasts do you guys love? Wow. Hmm. Okay, great answers. Thanks, I have, guys. I have a bunch. I have a bunch. I have okay. a bunch. Uh, so I uh, I love Myths and Legends. It's a great podcast um, uh, where they take, you know, uh, retell myths and legends. Imagine that. Okay. Um, uh, it's a great one. Um, I really, uh, it, it's, 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 it's a like slightly snarky sarcastic take on actual myths and you get a little bit of the backstory but he's done like episodes it's a, it's a husband and wife team um and they've done episodes about like king arthur like 100 episodes about king arthur you can do all the greek myths. it's so great uh so it's very very educational and entertaining um let's see i i listen to hello from the magic tavern which is oh, an improv still? oh my god i love it so much it's an improv show where uh the 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 conceit of the show is that somebody has been sucked into a Lord of the Rings like fantasy world, but with his podcasting equipment, like he was in the back of a Chicago of a uh, McDonald's in Chicago or Burger King in in Chicago and fell through a portal and ended up in this land. So every week they bring on it's him and a wizard and a shape shifting badger and every and they're just improv actors and then they bring on somebody and that person shows up with a character like. I am a dragon who's a teenager or whatever. And then they just improv and have an interview with that dragon and they have to just roll with whatever the person brings, whatever they say. And it is so fun. Would you go on that show? No, I'm not a good improver, man. I wouldn't. I, that I, sounds like that would be right up my I know. alley. Oh, it's totally you. Will. Like you yeah. <laughs> love no, that. they have incredible guests. I mean, they've gotten everybody. Huge comedy star. It's. I mean, at this point, it's like eight years old. I've been listening since the beginning. I remember. And it's you gotten crazy, this. and it used to have like more developing storylines, and now it's back to more of just a fun interview show. But man, it's it's so so clever. Cool. Um, what else? I listen to a lot. How well, about you, what will? about you? I'm I don't listen to a ton, but the, the ones that I do like, I listen to my MASH Matters because yeah. I'm, you know, obviously big into the MASH world. And I listen to Snafu with Ed Helms, which is also mm. on uh I Heart. I Heart. Great. Uh, but yeah, Snafu it, it takes one uh, you know, mess up in history and talks about it for eight episodes. So the you know, the the idea of the movie War Games actually happened in the United States. Uh, mm. And so it's kind of Ed Helms breaking down and it happens very entertaining. But no, I'm getting more and more into kind of podcasts and stuff yeah. like that. When it comes to Pod Meets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. If we could, we would take Hyundai to prom. Technically, Hyundai is more visible on this show than Topanga. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. 
with up to a 303-mile range, available two-way charging, and other category-defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ioniq 5 is one of the most teched-out electric vehicles ever. Say teched out again. Nope, that was a one-time show. Snooze, you lose. Well, either way, the Hyundai Ioniq 5 is a tech Ford electric SUV. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. So that means your car won't die out like the Matthews family vehicle on New Year's Eve, forcing you to miss out on kissing supermodel Rebecca Alexa in front of all of Philadelphia. And with available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car. Backyard or side yard. Hyundai, it's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, Jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Or sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by the experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Listen, Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their tushies. Especially when they start really moving. With Huggies Little Movers, you get their best-fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit. That's right. So no matter what kind of mover you've got, they'll feel protected and comfy while their little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers has curves designed to fit all baby curves and helps provide up to 12-hour protection against leaks. So make the switch to Huggies Little Movers today. We got you, baby. Um, are you uh, now? Are can we ask you the same questions, Danielle? Are you since oh, you've yeah. seen these questions? Uh, do you have any uh, any podcasts that you listen to? Yes, I uh, I love Smartless. I don't get to okay. listen to it as often as I'd like, but I love Smartless. Um, and I listen to We Can Do Hard Things with Glennon Doyle and her wife Abby Wambach. I never heard that. And um and dear sister <laughs> Amanda who, uh so yeah I love love that podcast okay um that's those would probably be the two and then I don't know if you've ever heard of a show called Pod Meets World but boy mm. do I love it I can't I can't <laughs> get through it the, the hosts just constantly talk over each other really? always oh, laughing at themselves I, I just can't. Can't. I can't it does do seem it. like they love to hear themselves talk but. I find them all endlessly enjoyable. <laughs> I noticed none of you have mentioned I Hear Voices. It's nice to know that you also listen to my other podcasts. Sorry, Thanks so much. Sorry, and Literary Disco is another, I'm, I'm a big fan of that as well. We didn't mention our other podcasts at all, where it's like, nobody's fans of each other's other podcasts. <laughs> we're, we're nothing if not honest. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. 
Okay, so I thought this was interesting because I feel like we've done it a little bit, but maybe we haven't explained it well enough. People want to know how our sets worked while filming, like in front of the audience. People are a little hmm. confused. Like, did the different sets move? Could we move them? Oh, right. So oh, let's okay. explain right, Because to I people. guess when you watch like some SNL stuff, they actually are moving sets. Right. Um, yeah, no, we, we had standing sets. Like, yes. They were built before the audience ever arrived, days before, um, and they would be standing there. And, and for the most part, we use the same sets over and over. So right. the audience would be in bleachers that would sort of rise up from the, the stage floor, mm-hmm. uh, like maybe 10 rows of bleachers, um, like, a, like a high school auditorium bleacher set. Yeah. And then in front of those bleachers, there would be the, the camera area. What is that called? Like The, the camera the, aisle. Camera, camera aisle. aisle. There you go. Yeah. The aisle. Right. So it would be like about 10 feet between the audience where the and the sets where the the cameras would be um, on these giant rolling, you know, the cameras are on wheels so they can move into position um, yeah. and uh, constantly be adjusting and they can also go up and down. Um, and then where, you know, you would have essentially it's a the fourth wall that doesn't exist. It, it, that would, you know, the entrance to the set, which had three walls and... Everybody that came to visit would always comment on how small the sets actually look. Right? Yeah, they look much on larger on television. So yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the so easy left- answer is the sets don't move, the cameras do. Right. Yeah. But so right. left to right, let's take the audience POV. Imagine yourself, dear listener, as an audience member in the bleachers on the set of Boy Meets World. Way over to the left was the Matthews family living room. Living room. Yep. And right. then immediately connected to that was the kitchen. Kitchen. And, and then, then obviously Feeney's yard, the back. So that was basically the entire left half of the audience's view was those right. three sets, right? right? Like yeah. Feeney's yard would sort of end in the middle of the audience. Right. Yeah. And then, and then there was right. classroom, classroom, which was Turner's classroom yep. by second season. Yes. Yep. So then Turner's classroom and then hallway. hallway. Right. Which was a big, long set. Big and that set. Would be it. Yeah. And that was it. And Any then they scene, would bring in... The mat, the the boys' bedroom would be mm-hmm. at the very, very, very end, end if we ever right. needed it. And yeah. so those were called swing sets, and that's because those could swing in and swing out. Right. And then there was extra room where there were other swing sets that could be built to the left or right of the audience. But we would never shoot scenes there in front of the audience. So basically, the only thing we would ever shoot on audience night in front of the audience were those scenes we mentioned that from audience POV, they could see with their eyeballs. Right. Yes. Um, and then because the other to the scenes, audience's right, facing the same direction as the audience would have been cafeteria set. Exactly. Um, or whatever swing yes. ended up would yes. also sort of go in there. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The and primary view was the living room, kitchen, kitchen, and Feeney's backyard. House. Yeah. Feeney's yeah. back, the backyard ends up being sort of very prominent. Yeah. yeah. Which is so funny because it's actually kind of our least used set. Yeah. Uh, you know, but also kitchen, episodes. kitchen, back, kitchen, kitchen, backyard yeah. was kind of the most center. Mm-hmm. Um, and then classroom, you could fully see. And really, you could see mostly, I would call partial school hallway maybe 75 percent you wouldn't be really be able to see unless you were in one particular part of the audience you wouldn't be able to see the ever-changing bathroom feeney's principal's office door like that door was kind of 
off that was the end way of the to the end. And yeah. for the audience, so everybody knows, you're 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 not really. I mean, you're watching the stage, but you're really looking up at the monitors. There's monitors right. all on the ceiling and on, what you're yeah. or on the you know hanging above you, and you're watching the show on a television screen. Yes, those monitors are showing you what the cameras are recording, and, and it's doing a live edit. They're it's switching. Doing a, they're the switching. Cameras. So there's yeah. a yeah. wonderful person called a switcher, and their job is to have the list from the director and the associate director about which camera you want me to show at which time. Do you want the two shot here? Do you want the master here? And then that person is switching between the cameras so that the audience can see what basically will be the edited version that will eventually air on television. And I would say if I was an audience member of a show, I would never watch what was up there. I'd want to be watching the actual action on stage directly in front of you because that's when you would see, uh uh-oh, so-and-so is going to break. That's when you would see the kind Mm -hmm. of fun stuff that you don't end up seeing in the the final product. Um, Writer, this is a really good one for you. Could someone please explain the difference between a four camera and a one camera sitcom? How can somebody who just watches TV tell the difference? So I wouldn't ever say that there's wow. like a one camera sitcom, but I know well, you've recently the had The Office. Is right, right, you're right. Single camera. Single camera. Single camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, but yes, yeah. they usually have more than the one office, camera. Those are those right. modern family, those are considered single camera. Right. But wasn't so the, modern the, the, family a hybrid? No. No. They never did really? in front of an audience. No. Yeah, oh, okay. No. Yeah. So th- I think the the well there's there's the the distinction is like between literally using one camera or multi cameras that is one form of distinction but usually what what people refer to as multi camera sitcom and single camera sitcom a multi camera sitcom is front is filmed in front of a live audience or at least has a laugh track but it's essentially a play like ours yep. where we have three three walled sets and four cameras and the actors are performing every take live um and the cameras are adjusting on the fly whereas in a single camera show you set up individual shots to build your visual storytelling and so the actors have to usually you shoot everything in one direction so you set up the cameras and the lights and you do everything that happens in a scene facing one direction then you turn around and have to do all of that again to get the other actors in the scene from the other right. direction and you're getting individual shots close-ups of actors uh, maybe a two shot of two actors and so you're individually building the story um in discrete shots as opposed to a multi-camera sitcom which is like essentially capturing a live play that's yeah. going on how can so I think the main question was how can somebody who just watches TV know the difference? I think one of the easiest ways to do it, essentially, and and there are a few, you know, uh, uh, exceptions to this rule. If you hear laughter, yeah, it's a multi-camera sitcom, yeah, right? Laugh track, laugh, laugh track, track or the audience, it's a multi-camera sitcom. Now that there are some things that break the trope, Mash is a perfect example where they added a laugh track, which the producers couldn't stand that they added a laugh track. But for the right. most part, if you hear laughing, like you never hear laughing in the office, you never hear laughing in Modern Family, you don't, right. you don't hear that stuff because there's no audience there. You're shooting it like a film. Right. So if you hear laughing, it's a multi-camera sitcom. Hmm. Well, interesting. Okay, this was Unless more of an observation. Which is a cartoon. <laughs> That's true as well. a laugh track. That's real life. This was more of an observation mixed with, have you guys noticed this? And I'll oh. go ahead and say no ahead of time. In season one, and maybe others, in the opening credits, the Globes 
are spinning the earth in the wrong direction. Jeez. It should be west to east. Wow. Have you ever noticed this? It took no. me 30 years to realize that rolling over him was a metaphor. You think I know which, which way it's going? But this is great because it's like a metaphor for going back into the past. We're, like, yeah. we're, we're rewinding to childhood. Oh, I think there we're reaching now. I think we're reaching now. Um, I, I, I mean, That's first cool. of all, we all know that it's inaccurate anyway because the earth is flat. So, I mean, sure. just that right, is right. just that alone is wrong. True. So, true. whatever. Slash S. That's the online version of uh, sarcastic. I'm, oh, I'm being sarcastic. Okay. That's oh. how you let people know now online that you're being sarcastic. How do you let them know you absolutely believe that it's flat? <laughs> what do I what do I hit? What button do I hit there? Slash E for earnest. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Okay. Um if you could be cast in your dream role, TV, movie, or Broadway, what would it be and why? I have no idea anymore because I'm not. I'm not. I know. Acting. I don't think about it. I I would I would love to do a play. Any you know if if I was gonna I've I've told myself if I'm ever gonna do acting again I'm gonna start with a play. Um, and I love Sam Shepard plays, and I mm. I feel like I'm finally old enough to be in a Sam Shepard play. I don't know which right. one or which role, but if I was gonna return, I would I would do a, love to do a great play by a good playwright like a Sam Shepard. Great, yeah. that's a good answer. Nice. Well, Mine, mine's slightly different. Um. <laughs> I, I want to be the, the fun uncle or the the young dad on a sitcom. I am built yeah. for sitcom. It's what I love. Yeah. It's what I've always wanted to do. I'm yeah. I'm a born and bred sitcom actor, and it's it sucks because I'm a born and bred actor targeted to a thing that no longer exists. Right. It's like being a radio actor. Exactly. The, yeah. I'm I'm the best farrier in yeah. town. Well, hey, nobody, <laughs> nobody's shoeing horses that much anymore. So that would be my dream job is is a classic '80s '90s sitcom where I'm now the young dad or the fun the fun uncle. Right. Yeah. What about right. you, Danielle? Um, gosh, I don't know. On the one hand, I w- I love you know similar to you, Will. I love sitcom. I love multi cameras. Um, I would love to be an, a mom on a multi cam again. I think that would be great. I'd love to be the Betsy. I could say yeah. the Topanga from Girl Meets World, but I want to be the Betsy. Yeah. Um, I love. I would love that. But also, I love like I loved the Good Place. And yeah, I can see that. I would have loved to have been. Basically, any of the characters on The Good Place. If I can see you on something some, like that. Absolutely. Some equivalent right. to The Good Place. You know, nice. Abbott Elementary. That yeah. I that would that would be fun. Um, nice. That would probably be mine. I also want to be in a Hallmark movie. We've talked about this. We've I talked about that. I want to be in that. some kind of Christmas Hallmark thing where I, I what? I love Christmas now. Like, yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> what? That'd be my performance, by the way. Like, <laughs> I was saying, that's, I, that's, who are what? you? <laughs> that's my audition. I Christmas. Uh, well, it's funny. We talked about this uh, before the show started, but for, for Will, Winnie the Pooh movie while you were in Amsterdam, okay. people wanted Whoa. to know it was there in here. Um, so the next question was somebody, um, somebody wanted to know who does the booking of guests for the podcasts? How does it all go down? Um, so I'll magic. go ahead and answer this one. Yeah. It's the magic of television. It's the magic of podcasting. I wake up podcasting. and there's a guest. It's great. It's, it's an all hands on deck team effort. We, among the three of us, come up with who the guests are that we want to have. Also, producer Jensen Karp, husband of this podcast, sends us names all the time. How about this person? How about that person? We say, yes, we think this person would be a wonderful guest. They were instrumental into the show, or we think people would like to hear from them. Um, and then whoever has a connection to them, 
says, I will reach out. Let me send an email. Let me send a message. Let me do that. Sometimes when it's somebody none of us have a connection to, we get iHeart involved and we say, iHeart, do you have a connection to this person? If you do not, can you reach out to their agent? And we send a formal ask. Um, one of the reasons we try to avoid that is little known secret for people who are not involved in the entertainment industry reps, agents, managers, sometimes they will just answer for their clients without ever even sending the message along. And you will have had to have had a conversation with your agent or manager about whether or not you want them to do that. I was always the type, for the most part, to say, by the way, I want to know every single thing that comes in. Even if you think I'm not going to want to do it, I want to be the person to say no to it or say yes to it, not you. Or then there would be times where I would be like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to do any press. And I would say, you can go ahead and stop telling me those things. The answer is just no, unless you think it's going to change my life or that I would have to be an insane person to say no to this thing. Go ahead and pass for me. So we like to do it from the personal way of, does anybody know this person? Do you have a phone number? Because also getting a personal ask for something is feels better than your manager being called. So it's a all hands on deck approach. We also do need a special shout out, though, to producer Jensen Karp, husband of the podcast, for the amount of work. Yes, that he does. He ultimately is the person who schedules all of our. He also does all of our scheduling. So once the connection is made, he's the one who coordinates with the actual talent. Correct. So once that connection has been made and they say yes, then Jensen takes over and says, what are your avails? And gets the avails for those people and then has to work it into our schedules, which our schedules are also all over the place. Will does other podcasts, writer does other podcasts and teaches um, and has travel days and Will does lots of cons. So he has travel days. I regularly have directing jobs and I can't know those for like months ahead of time. Sometimes I get a call and they, you know, they'll say, hey, what's your availability for May? And it's, you know, we may have already scheduled um, dates for May and then I'll have to change. And so that is a kind of a, the calendar is a very fluid, evolving ecosystem, yeah. and it is a very hard thing to manage. And producer Jensen Carp, husband of this podcast, is really good at it. Yeah. And, other and I than feel the bad, fact though. That- I feel because there's times like May. I have jury duty in May. Yeah. And so yeah, it's like, we'll just, I won't know until the night before, literally right. the night before when I call in, if I even have to go. I know. So it's like we're trying to you try to schedule stuff and it's like, hey, this might happen possibly. Right. Exactly. So it just makes it really difficult. Yeah. And he is married to me. Danielle, he's married to all of us. I know. I'm okay. sorry. I don't mean to insult you. He's he is a podcast. shared husband. He is yes, shared husband. <laughs> um Okay, so someone said they did not quite understand the difference between a producer and a director when Mm. we have mentioned them on this podcast. In some cases, they have been both. Like Jeff McCracken was a producer. No, wasn't a producer on the show. I think he was technically a producer. He worked for Michael's company. Yeah, he was a producer of Michael Jacobs Productions, but I don't know. Which was not the same thing as being a producer on the show. No, but I thought he was also a producer on the show. He wasn't? Oh, maybe. Maybe he was eventually, but You guys can answer this better because you're both directors, so. Was Trainer Trainer, a producer? I don't think so. Okay, just. I don't think so. Maybe second season. I think second season he gets a producer credit. If memory serves, his name is now in the front as a producer credit. If memory serves. Right. I mean, we talked a little bit about this when I talked about uh, Alex producing mm-hmm. her movie. Um, yeah, it's it's really in television. Producer is a is 
there's well, there's two different types of producers. There's the creative producer, yep. which is usually a writer with a lot of creative input for the overall show. Right. So they're not only just writing an individual episode, which would be a, 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 a staff writer who's just part of the team and writing episodes, and they usually get one episode with their name on it, but they're participating in the writing for every episode. Mm-hmm. The uh, the upgrade from being a writer is to be a producer who is also a writer. So you're still getting paid as a writer, but now you're functioning as a producer or an executive producer, which is m- even higher creatively. And that those people, you know, have more creative input on the whole storyline and and more authority in the writing room. Um, right. And then an EP is the highest credit. Um, among the EP and producers, there's a showrunner. Which EP is, not is an executive official, producer, by the way. Right, right, correct. sorry. Yeah. Uh, but there's usually a showrunner, which is not an official title that is not paid for, but there's usually one person who is designated as the... Runner uh, of the per- room. Yeah, the person who runs the actual room. So um, for those seasons that David Kendall was there, he would be the person in the room saying, who's writing this episode? We got this episode coming up. Yeah. And like sort of coordinating people's schedules. The captain of the ship. The captain of the ship, right. Um, But in general with our show, Michael Jacobs was the head executive producer, co-creator. Slash showrunner. Slash showrunner. So he mostly ran the writing room and gave notes after after run-throughs. Um, and then there are producers, like we've talked about Karen McCain yep. and Arlene There's Grayson. a line producer. Who are right. line producers. They are the ones in charge of the actual production, making sure that camera people show up, that lunch is taken care of, that people get paid, doing all the books. And that's like a more of a logistical producerial position. Um, right. And so they also get a producer credit. Director is the person who is in charge of the visual storytelling and the and in engaging with the actors' performances. So they're in charge of giving the actors notes. Um, executive producers are not supposed to give actors notes without going through the director. That obviously didn't happen very often on our show. Right. Our executive producer liked to just give notes. Uh, but technically, according to DGA rules, only the director is supposed to be giving notes to actors right. and working with them on how to perform and be in the scene and then figuring out the camera which shots are lining up where to tell the story. Um, right. That's what a director does. And a director on a sitcom is in second position to the writing staff for the most part. It's right. a very important role for the actors, but as far as creatively, the sort of pecking order is executive producers, creative writing, those people are the sort of the kings and queens of television. They're right. The, the director's job on a sitcom is to bring those people's dreams and and ideas for the show to life. It's yes. not the director's medium. The director right. is not going, this is my dream for this. It's kind of like, what do you want them to do? And then their job is to make it happen. Right. They're more like the executive branch of like yeah. the technical side of things. Um, in film, a director is much more the creative voice. So even right. if they didn't write the script... They're the ones on set making the movie from start to finish, and it's a much more creative position. So film yeah. directors are the the main creative component. Right. Everything yeah. goes through the director on right. a film set. Um, also, you get into different rules as far as what the producers mean on movie sets as well. There's a yeah. capital P producer mm-hmm. um, versus like a executive producer on a movie. Actually, the executive producer is not necessarily usually. Yeah, the money guy. or, money or a title given to someone who had a significant role in making the movie happen, but mm-hmm. wasn't the person yeah. um, financially this is why responsible. we need a producer's guilt, by the way. There is yes. no... This is one of the the part the the very easy answer is that the producer producer is an is a, a nebulous term precisely because 
there is no union, there's no guild like there are for the other positions. So yeah. writing and directors. And so the reason that producer credit gets thrown out is because there's no one regulating it within the industry. Um, yeah. So there's been a lot of talk the last couple of years of uh, forming a producer's um, association that will represent them and enforce these titles. Um, because, yeah, like uh, producer credit has been given as a way to give writers a bump uh, financially or giving them a new title when actually, like, as far as the Writers Guild is concerned, those mean nothing. So it's, right. a, it's a tricky position. You guys had so many Q's and we had so many A's. This episode is just getting too long. So we're going to split it into two with a bonus episode. Don't worry. You don't have to wait long. It's coming out tomorrow. We love you all. Pod dismissed. Pod Meets World is an iHeart podcast produced and hosted by Danielle Fischel, Will Friedell, and Ryder Strong. Executive producers, Jensen Karp and Amy Sugarman. Executive in charge of production, Danielle Romo. Producer and editor, Tara Sudbach. Producer, Jackie Rodriguez. Engineer and Boy Meets World superfan, Easton Allen. Our theme song is by Kyle Morton of Typhoon. You can follow us on Instagram at Pod Meets World Show or email us at podmeetsworldshow at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Listen, Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their tushies. Especially when they start really moving. With Huggies Little Movers, you get their best-fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit. That's right. So no matter what kind of mover you've got, they'll feel protected and comfy while their little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers has curves designed to fit all baby curves, and helps provide up to 12-hour protection against leaks. So, make the switch to Huggies Little Movers today. We got you, baby. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X visit tomboyx.com. With the Wells Fargo active cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class. And 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.